I'm Andy Truscott, Program Officer with the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host today. My guests are Dr. Kirsten Kunkel and Dr. Marissa Robinson, the co-founders of Wilmington Concert Opera in Wilmington, Delaware. We have two of you today, so I'm really interested in hearing from both of you about how you both got into the arts and then ultimately into practicing opera professionally. Hi, I'm Kirsten. Um, I am the artistic director of Wilmington Concert Opera. I have been in the arts my entire life. My mother was a pianist and a ballerina, and she encouraged all of the arts at a very early age. When I was about 12, I started voice lessons, and my teacher directed me to the classical world. And from there, I saw my first opera. I saw Faust at the Toledo Opera in Ohio, and uh, I got bit by the bug, the theater opera bug. I fell madly in love with the stagecraft, the costumes, the makeup, the hair, but most especially the music. And I thought if I could do this, that would just be the height of all, all things musical that I could do. So that's how I got involved in opera. Um, started at a young age, went to college for it at Bowling Green State University and then the University of Michigan. Taught voice at a coll collegiate level for a number of years and uh, ended up in Wilmington, Delaware, where we started Wilmington Concert Opera. So that is the short version. Well, you know me, my version is likely to be even shorter. Hi, I'm Marissa Robinson. I'm the executive director and co-founder of Wilmington Concert Opera. Um, very similarly to Kirsten on the front end, um, I too was sort of born into the theater. My mother was a costumer for theater and dance when I was very young. And so some of my earliest childhood memories were rehearsals and costume fittings and the dance supply store. Um, and I ended up then making, because I was the costumer's daughter, my professional dance debut at the age of eight um, at the Kennedy Center with Liz Lerman and the dancers third age. Um, anyone who knows me knows I'm not actually a dancer. Uh, I also started taking voice lessons around 12, was directed towards classical performance. Um, I went to Oberlin College where I ended up majoring in chemistry, getting a PhD in pharmaceutical sciences, graduating with my PhD and deciding that I really did want to sing and circling back around to my other love, which is of course, music opera and the performing arts. Um, Kirsten and I met in 2015 doing an opera together and we started this company out of the desire to have just more wonderful opera opportunities around here. How was it that you both ended up in Wilmington, Delaware? Yeah, um, I, I took a job teaching in uh, Oxford, PA, and ended up living in Pennsylvania, as well as Maryland, before I ended up in uh, Wilmington. And then I'm actually in Ohio now. So uh, I do a lot of things remotely, and I come back to Wilmington to help do all of the production and similarly, but it was my husband's job. Um, we've been in greater Philadelphia since 2003. Um, we were in Bucks County for a while and we've now been in Wilmington for almost 14 years. Um, so that's how I found myself here. As you think back to when you guys founded uh, the Wilmington Concert Opera, um, outside of just wanting more uh, classical music, in, in the Delaware area, is there any specific other desire or need that you saw that you wanted to fill with the organization? Um, I think initially we were both hoping to find more opportunities for 
all of the amazing singers that are in the greater Philadelphia area that, um, you know, it's a saturated market. So we wanted to create a place where they could have professional level quality singing, um, try out new roles, have a chance to sing with other like-minded advanced singers who were also collegial and, um, and just give opportunities to a lot of singers. And I think from there it branched out to more outreach and um, reaching more people in general throughout the entire region. You know, it's nice when wonderful singers have more wonderful opportunities to share their talents with people. And so we're here to help, you know, fill that space. As you think to your early seasons of the organization, uh, were there any specific performances that you think really helped catalyst your organization forward? Is it bad if I say all of them? I was going to say no. all of them. Uh, Marissa no. and I often joke that we have one brain. It's it's good because our aesthetic is very similar and we all, uh, often are on the same page without having to verbalize it. When we do verbalize it, it tends to be the same thing. Um, they've all been wonderful. They've all been amazing and they've all been another step forward in, in making our name more pronounced in the area and, and garnering the respect that we hope to have as an organization. We are, we are two women wearing many hats and getting it done on a day in day out basis. I think it's interesting. Um, maybe it's not completely unique to the, to organizations in Delaware, but one thing that I think is interesting is that we're very different people in many ways, despite our similarities. Um, you know, I, I'm native American, Marissa married a rabbi. I mean, you know, we have very different backgrounds and we, you know, she's the math and numbers person. And I am the, uh, you know, I don't know, repertoire guru and things like that. So, you know, we have very different skill sets and we have very different interests outside of music, but somehow it all comes together very well and just somehow works as far as organizing and planning these various events. Does Wilmington Concert Opera have a ensemble of singers that you always work with? This is a yes and. Um, we do have singers who return um, over and over again because they're phenomenal. Um, we also always like to bring in new singers because people move into the area. They're wonderful. You always want to know who's out there to work with the best singers you can you know, obviously we are constantly trying to produce the best and that means better and better performances as we go. So yes, and um, please, if you're listening and you think I would like to work with Wilmington Concert Opera, we are always accepting submissions from new singers. We are always excited to hear new voices. Absolutely. I, I think that that is a very succinct way of saying everything I would have said as well. Um, one thing that we really like to promote and make sure that our singers know is that we consider them our opera family. Um, we expect really high level of performance, but we also treat people as family. We understand things like people having children and conflicts and things like that. So we try to work with that, those kind of things. We also treat our singers like we would want them to be treated so that they would want to come back. You know, we want them to enjoy their experience and speak highly of us as both people and as performers and producers. So to do that, we have to make sure that we make it a friendly, comfortable environment 
while maintaining our high standards. And I think that's something we do really well. If anyone listening would like to learn how to submit in, uh, information or a video to you for consideration, what's the best place for them to visit? The website, the Facebook, the Instagram. There's audition submission information everywhere. Um, because as I said, we're, we're always accepting submission. Yeah, our level is generally emerging professional and professional level. You mentioned in a few places on your website that the company is founded on the principles of diversity, inclusivity, and accessibility as core values of your mission. Can you expand on examples of that work that you've experienced in the community or in your work on stage? I mean, both. I'll start with the community. Um, Wilmington Constructor performances are almost invariably free. Um, because we want to make opera accessible. You know, Kirsten and I believe very deeply in the power of the human voice, specifically the unamplified live human voice. Um, and there's no, no higher expression of that art form than, than opera. And it's often expensive. It's often in places that are harder to get to um, if you don't have a car etc. We generally perform in churches and spaces like that because they are accessible spaces. They're economically accessible. They are accessible in a, they have parking lots, the buses go there. You know, when you walk in that building, you are welcomed sense of accessible. Um, And then of course, it's also economically accessible because as I said, the performances are generally free. Um, So that, that is an accessibility from the audience side. Um, With respect to the performer side of things, Kirsten mentioned, of course, you know, we we work very hard to make our performance, our rehearsal and performance schedule really work for the performer with respect to conflicts, um, family obligations. We have had rehearsals where we have had the performers bring their small children because childcare wasn't conveniently available and that was totally fine. That's unusual in this field. So is sort of giving the right of of refusal to the performers in the first place for scheduling, um, as opposed to just presenting it with the schedule and saying, you have to figure out how to make this work. We'll start with that. Diversity wise, of course, everyone, you know, defines diversity in in many ways, Um, but we do believe in diversity in a a racial sense. Obviously, you know, Kirsten is herself a, a member of a a minority community. Um, Our casts are as diverse as we can make them every performance, but we also define diversity beyond just race with respect to age and body type and, you know, physical limitations of the performer handicapped uh, status, um, so on and so forth, all of which are huge, huge barriers to traditional opera careers. Um, particularly for women, because there are so many female performers. Um, We're often aging out just as our voices are really reaching their peak um, or passed over because we don't have a certain look and, and heaven help you if you have any form of disability. To give a very specific example, in our upcoming opera this fall, we have a singer who is very asthmatic. And as you know, we're, we're, we're still operating in a COVID world and, you know, asthma is a very high risk condition. And so from an inclusion sense of, of our mission and how that plays out, you know, we have had to be very thoughtful in how we are going to keep this performer safe. 
with tests and masks and, you know, I am, I cannot tell you the great glee as an administrator that I felt when the new bivalent boosters were released. Um, I, that really raised my confidence level about succeeding in, in keeping all of our performers safe to performance, but especially with somebody who's very high risk. Everything we do, we try to be as inclusive as possible. And we just want, um, we want everyone to enjoy opera on every level. And that means that we have to make sure it's accessible for everyone. Well, upcoming, uh, and in fact, it's next weekend on September 18th, you have a fundraiser coming up. Could you share with our listeners what it is and how uh, that helps benefit your organization? So it is called The Great American Songbook Revisited. Um, Earlier this summer, we did a short Great American Songbook concert, and this is an extended, more fun, more fantastic, more exciting version of the same concert, but with more people, uh, some new repertoire, some new ensembles, and just a lot of energy and fun. Um, It is a fundraiser to benefit both Wilmington Concert Opera to help in the next year, and also uh, Arts at Covenant, which is through Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, And we are going to be working with them in the next year, even more than we already have as artists in residence. So that's really exciting. Um, We'll officially announce that coming up too, but I I think we can sneak that in here. And we're really excited about that because that means that we can work hand in hand with the same people to deliver excellent opera and concert works over the course of a year and really, really dig in to building that community aspect to our work. Um, It is also, as a side note, both of our birthdays coming up. So we are using this as a birthday fundraiser as well. The money of course will go to the organization, but we are hoping that, uh, you know, the added fun of celebrating a birthday will help people to want to come out and hear some amazing standards from the, I guess you'd say 1920s and 30s all the way through about 1970s. Yeah, the the short version of that concert was already probably the most, quote, fun um, program we've ever done. So more of it should only be more fun. Um, And I mean, I, Kirsten, you covered all the important parts of that. Um, The Arts of Covenant has a mission that's very closely adjacent to ours with respect to to. The role of arts in the community and supporting people. So this is a really great opportunity for us to work in partnership with them to support both of our missions to build both organizations. You know, what better way to, to kick off a wonderful and, and hopefully very fruitful collaboration than, you know, a really fun fundraiser concert. It's going to be a really fun time. It's at two o'clock on the 18th and it would be very fun to see some extra people there who are listening to this podcast right now. Um, it really is going to be a great show. Following the September 18th fundraiser, we have a world premiere opera coming up in the end of October. Share with us more about that. Oh, it's so exciting. Um, okay, so this is a project that is near and dear to my heart specifically because I came up with a story and wrote the libretto. So the libretto is the words to an opera, if anyone doesn't know that term. And um, it all started because I had put something on Facebook that I had written another libretto 
And a collaborator that I'd worked with in the past, a composer named Sarah Van Skyver, reached out to me and said, if you ever decide to write another libretto, I would love to set it for you. And so that spurred a whole bunch of conversation, which led to Girondines, which is the opera that we will be presenting in October. Um, it's about six women of the French Revolution, and uh, it is during the Reign of Terror, primarily. And there are, are all real women, uh, real historical figures, artists, intellectuals, uh, etc. And in the version that I wrote, they are all friends and supporters of one another in secret. Um, not to give any spoilers, but it is the French Revolution. Three of them are guillotined and three live. Um, so it talks about their lives, their legacies, what they hope will live on from the work they've done and what they've risked and some of them risk their lives. So it's uh, maybe not the happiest story, but it definitely has an up, a feeling of being a little more upbeat at the end that there is a legacy to everything that they have done. Um, we're extremely excited about it. We'll be basically workshopping it for the first week of rehearsals and then making sure it's all together uh, so that we can have it ready to premiere on October 21st. So that's the short version of that as well, but we're really excited about it. Uh, Marissa and I are both performing in that as well. It is scored for piano, harp, and electronics. And so we will have those instruments as well. Subtitles, even though it's in English, will be available so that everyone can read what's being said um, so that no words are lost as well. And that will also be free and open to the public because we want people to come and see that and get to see new work that features not just great singing, but really visceral and important roles for women. This is an ensemble cast of six women and each role is as important as every other role in the show. They, they are interconnected and the show would not exist without all six of them. So that is Girondines and we are starting to advertise that. We're extremely excited about that. And can you remind our listeners just the dates and the location? It is October 21st and 22nd at 8 p.m., October 23rd at 2 p.m., and all those performances are, because we are consistent, at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant at 503 Duncan Road in North Wilmington, and they have a lovely parking lot. Um, Always important. It they is. Do. They do. The off-street parking is is a non, non-zero factor. Um, they're lovely. Um and I should note, um, there are six roles in this opera, but it has two full casts. So yes, we, we are making work for 12, 12 women um, singers. And then the musical ensemble is also all female. We thought that it was sort of on, on brand for this piece to be internally consistent as a fully, fully feminine, fully feminist piece <laughs> of art. I, I think that's accurate and and nice. A nice addition to that is our very first production we ever did was Swar Angelica, which we did, did also with a full female, only female cast. Um, so we're, we're really excited to kind of come back to our roots in a way that uh, I don't know that we necessarily anticipated doing or plan to do uh, pre-pandemic, but here we are. And it's, it's really kind of nice to uh, showcase a show about women that isn't about nuns. Because that doesn't happen very often in opera. 
And speaking of um, Andy, you mentioned, you know, earlier you asked about, you know, is there an, an ensemble that repeats? I believe we have four members of the original cast of that for Angelica in the cast of this opera. So that, that will tell you how much of the troupe repeats and how many new people there are. Well, as we come to the end of our time, I'd like to thank you both for being with us today. If you'd like to see what's coming up next and some details about their upcoming concerts, you're uh, welcome to visit wilmingtonconcertopera.com. And if you'd like a little treat or taste of the opera, uh, they have a number of videos on their website that you can play through YouTube uh, to get just a, a hint of what the Wilmington Concert Opera is all about. Kirsten and Marissa, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Delaware State of the Arts is a weekly podcast that presents interviews with arts organizations and leaders who contribute to the cultural vibrancy of communities throughout Delaware. Delaware State of the Arts is provided as a service of the Delaware Division of the Arts in partnership with News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. The Delaware Division of the Arts, a branch of the Delaware Department of State, is committed to supporting the arts and cultivating creativity to enhance the quality of life in Delaware. Together with its advisory body, the Delaware State Arts Council, the division administers grants and programs that support arts programming, educate the public, increase awareness of the arts, and integrate the arts into all facets of Delaware life. To find out more about the division, visit arts.delaware.gov.